And welcome into this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network, also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists, their Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. The madness is here. The Gator basketball team on the court tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday, Friday at 12.15. Florida tips off against Virginia Tech. We will certainly get into that. A lot of football news, some recruiting news as well. But, Denny, clearly basketball on the forefront of a lot of minds as the Florida Gators make a return to the NCAA tournament and are actually the first game out. They will be the first team or the first game to tip in the round of 64 on Friday afternoon at 12-15. I mean, the biggest question is when we do this podcast next week, are we still talking about basketball? I think we might be doing a recap about of previewing. the season. Uh, the problem is if you beat Virginia Tech, that probably means Ohio State mm-hmm. in the round of 32, and I'm going to assume that's not going to go very well. I mean, Sure. I, I, that's the thing about college basketball this year. We talked about it, you know, last week. What is it, Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, yeah, Michigan? Michigan uh, Michigan's got some some injury issues now, though. Right, but, but, I mean, going in, those are the four teams that you look at and you go, we don't have a chance. And it, I mean, Alabama's pretty dang good. But it, it's – outside of that, maybe it's that we haven't paid as much attention to college basketball we ha- as we have in the past, I think almost as – a country, right? I mean, it's you. Duke and Kentucky aren't in, and but there's nobody there that you just go. It is a zero percent chance that Florida can play with this team outside of the four that I named. Right? Yeah, I got a thought about the Ohio State thing, and I want to get into the Virginia Tech game as well. But kind of a, a mile up view, a broad, broad view. We're gonna have March Madness beginning today. The first four is today. The Gators are in the first round tomorrow. You're going to have 16 games on Friday, 16 more on Saturday, 8 Sunday, 8 Monday, first time in two years Mm -hmm. that the NCAA tournament is being played. However far Florida goes, and certainly we want them to go far, we're a Gator podcast, March Madness is back. And I think right now is, is when you realize how much, A, you missed it last year, and maybe you won't take it for granted again once it tips off this afternoon with the, the first four. Yeah, I think championships, of anything, bring interest, right? I mean, look, I use the Little League World Series as an example. I don't understand why the hell people watch 12-year-olds playing baseball. <laughs> I, I, I've never understood it. I don't get it. But there's millions and millions and millions of people who watch that because it is a championship and there's pride behind an area or country or whatever it is. I think – not having the tournament last year did more harm than people realized to the season this year as far as interest. Yeah, I agree with that. Is concerned. And so I do think this is in in the really in the basketball world if you take even the NBA as well, this is almost that reset button of this is going off when it should, maybe not the way it has in the past, but keeping your fingers crossed everything plays all the way through. Right, and so I do think that you're right. I think that the level of interest will go up based on this tournament. The only thing, like the the great thing about the NCAA tournament in the past has been you can have four stations on. 
and it's four different games and it's four different environments and it's like, you know, four different feels and there's that buzzer beater and then there's that buzzer beater right after and you lose a little bit of that. And you're what, this year? Yeah. How yeah, how so? Yeah. All those games aren't like in different packed arenas with the March Madness feel to it with the Right. You know what I mean? Like there's not you you're you're not going to you know, I mean maybe in Florida I guess we are, but you're not going to Hooters or Winghouse or whatever, and the place is packed with people skipping work. Oh, we're getting and to that everybody's point. and everybody's like, and I'm talking about nationally, yeah, right. And everybody is tuned in to this game and then that game, and everybody becomes a Valparaiso fan or a George Mason fan. Or I don't think you're going to get that feel. No, um, I would disagree with that a little bit. I understand what you're saying. To me, it's, I mean, are you kidding from not having it last year oh, to whether we have to settle for that this year? You're not talking year. about two different things yeah, there. That, that's a complete complete 180. You're not going to know. I mean, the entire thing is going on in the state of Indiana. You'll never know that. All the courts look the same. So that, to me, that won't be a big deal. You will have four TV stations going on at once, like Florida State's on True TV. Florida tips things off on CBS. TNT and TBS are also in the mix. And, and truthfully, when it comes to college basketball, have I noticed sometimes where the fans haven't been on the in the in the arena this year? Yeah, absolutely. Cameron Indoor Rupp Arena looks vastly different. I do think the TV um, networks at this point have been a have done a pretty good job of blocking as much of that out as possible, whether it's the ambient noise or or whatever. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, that's funny because I think college basketball has been one of the most, if not the most, affected by by. The, the crowd noise. I think it depends on what, what the where the arena is. Like Duke and Kentucky and them, absolutely. You can certainly notice it. Man, I've watched. I haven't watched a ton, but the last couple of weeks I've watched quite a bit. N- nothing feels the same. The conference tournaments didn't feel the same. Nothing felt the same. And, and we've both been. We, we, we're lucky enough that we have really good seats and good access when it comes to Jacksonville. The NCAA first-round game. And even being there, you can feel the difference in some games and other games. Like when North Carolina was here, place was crazy. Arkansas, place was crazy, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, there was the LSU, the year that all the investigation went down and they were playing like Wofford or something like that. And I remember the entire arena getting behind Wofford. Like that kind of stuff is fun. That translates on TV. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to watch it, but I just don't think there's going to be the passion behind what March Madness has had in the past, and I hope I hope it comes back next year. Yeah, like I said, agree to disagree. Uh, college football to me was very similar. I thought I wasn't going to enjoy the college football season because you didn't have 85,000 people, 90,000 people in these SEC stadiums, and I loved college football as much this year as I ever had with 20,000 people. So I get it. We'll see what happens. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Really? Absolutely. I did. And that's just like you're saying. This is preference. Yeah. Personal preference. But I – yeah, I thought college football was missing something big this year. I, I thought that as the year went on, it became more obvious, actually. Yeah, no. Like I said, uh, it's an opinion. Whatever. Yeah. You think one way, uh, I think one, uh, the other, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. All right. So Florida starts with Virginia Tech on Friday. Here is my knowledge of the world of college basketball. No one's ever going to compare me to Dick Vitale or Jay Billis or, or any of these guys, Clark Kellogg. I simply went to Virginia Tech's roster, Denny. I pulled it up, and of their six leading scorers, only two are six foot seven or taller. They're a guard-oriented team. Florida beats teams like that. 
So for that and that alone, it's not the most scientific breakdown, but no. for that and for that alone, I'm picking the Gators to beat Virginia Tech. Yeah, it actually is. It actually is, Hacker, because the the thing you know about Florida is where they've run into trouble in the past is when teams just can just out bully them. Yeah, and out physical, like, like Tennessee. Right. I mean that that's the that's the knock on Florida is you can wear them down for whatever reason. That's been the the trademark of Florida since you know perhaps since my. Mike White's been there. I don't know that for sure, but it seems like it. Seems like that, and they have the one out of every three or four games where they can't make a shot to save their lives. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things, you know. And it's not a; those aren't two good things to go into the NCAA tournament with. the 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 odds are against you if those are your two faults. You know, it's interesting too, Denny, in the sense that let's say Florida does beat Virginia Tech. I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State. Uh, you know, I'm going to take my orange and blue goggles off. I'm not going to predict them to beat Ohio State, but I'll throw it out there. Much like Virginia Tech, the top six scorers on Ohio State, tallest guy is six eight. They're not very big either. Now, they're a much better offensive team than Florida, but if Castleton and Deruji and Payne and all these guys can establish some sort of um, inside presence against both Vatek and Ohio State, is it out of the realm of possibility to say that Florida could get to the 16? I don't think it's out of the realm. I don't expect it to happen. But of the draw Florida got, they're not probably going to play a team with a lot of size. When you take Florida, Virginia Tech, and Ohio State, and you take those three teams, and you say, what do you, which one of those teams were you the most? It's Florida. Like As a Florida fan, there's nothing about Virginia Tech or Ohio State that – I'm like, oh no, right? But as, but I know th- there's that with Florida. There's a lot about Florida that makes me go, huh? Yeah, I can't believe in it. Right. At the same time, it would I I would be pleasantly surprised, but not shocked if they came out of the weekend still playing. That's how I would be because you you know what's going to happen. It will happen. However long Florida season goes, there will be a five minute stretch yep. where they will not score. Right. As sure as the sun will rise tomorrow. As sure as everything that goes on in your life every day is going to happen tomorrow, take this to the bank. There will be five minutes of game time against Virginia Tech where Florida will not score, and the question is, will they be able to overcome that? And there will be two minutes of game time in every Florida game that seems like it takes 40 minutes. Yeah. like every four, But, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if Florida came out of the weekend play, and I also wouldn't be shocked at all if Virginia Tech routed them. Right. Like that's just kind of where I think everybody's there. I don't think it's, I don't think I'm special in that. If Virginia Tech beat Florida by 22, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, and, and to think Florida right out of the gate tomorrow, they are the first round of 64 games. Does that help tip. or hurt them? Um, or does it matter? I don't know if it matters. It it's good for us on XL Primetime because we're doing a show live from 904 Sports Bar on Bay oh, Meadows okay. tomorrow, and Florida will be on. So we invite all Gator fans to to come on out and watch the game with us. So from that aspect. I kind of like it, but it's kind of like the year I had Louisville going to the Final Four, and they lost to Moorhead State in that 12-15 game on Thursday. Mm-hmm. My Final Four team was the first team eliminated from the round of 64. If Florida loses, they will be the first team out. They will finish in 63rd but place, But you don't basically. have them going to the Final Four. No, I don't. I have them losing in the round of 32. Okay. I do have them beating Virginia Tech. Okay, I haven't filled out a bracket yet. Oh, you haven't? Mm-mm. Okay, well, I'll just give you a little bit of insight. Into okay, my, thank uh, you. My thoughts and uh, You can fill mine out and give it to Taylor if you'd like. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Want to get one, one thought on Gator basketball before we get there. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for the highest quality care you can rely 
on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com, and you can listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good Dr. Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in sports. I will invite Gator fans as well Thursday afternoon, if you're watching on Facebook, uh, starting at 1.35-ish, so this afternoon at 1.35, we're going to have Patrick Young in studio on XL Primetime, the former Gator great. Looking forward to having him in studio for probably 30 to 45 minutes, not only talking about the Gators, but breaking down the bracket. Mike White, if people listen to this podcast, they know you and I aren't the biggest fans of Mike White. I don't think we're detractors necessarily, although you might be more of a detractor to Mike White than I am, as you uh, chuckle over there. But how important is it for Mike White to beat Virginia Tech? I think if you lose to Ohio State, well, that's fine. A two is supposed to beat a seven. If you go out and get beat by Virginia Tech tomorrow, that noise will get bigger and bigger going into the offseason surrounding the future of Mike White. I think this is my issue with Mike White, is that we ask this question a lot. How important is it for him to beat LSU? How important is it for him to beat Tennessee this week? How, Man, this is a three, $4 million a year. I don't know what he makes, but somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, and this coach is year six. Of a team who's got Final Four history, who was built when he got here. It's important to win every game. <clears throat> and the fact that six years in, we're still asking those questions, not in the tournament, but from week to week to week. It's not that I'm a detractor of Mike White. I hate losing. Like, you're supposed to win games, period. Football, baseball, basketball, whatever it is. When you're at that level, you're paid to win games. Football games, basketball games, same thing. There's just more basketball games. He's not consistent in doing that. Mm-hmm. right? It, it, he wins more than he loses, but that's not the standard at the University of Florida anymore. Um I, I that's the part that just – I don't dislike Mike White. I want it to work. He, he's got everything. He's got charisma. He's got the look. He's got everything that you want. He can recruit. He recruits pretty well. The part that I don't know is does he develop because it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like he develops at a high level. It seems like he recruits at a high level. At the, at the end of the day, I don't care how he does it. Just win. You know, the interesting thing <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, Trey Mann and Scotty Lewis both came in together. And Scotty Lewis clearly was the better player last year. And people were giving credit for to Mike White and the staff for the development of Trey Mann from year one to year two. Trey Mann is clearly the best player mm-hmm. on the team right now. Who gets the blame for Scotty Lewis falling into the abyss? Scotty Lewis is not half the player right now that he was his freshman year. So as much credit as you want to give for Trey Mann's improvement – Who's going to take the blame for the issues that Scotty Lewis has? Yeah, and, and I mean, a lot of that is, you know, off-season work ethic, um, especially in a weird off-season like they had, stop and start the way they had to. I, I get that. I get that. I, I'm, I'm not going to be overly critical of something like that on Mike White this year. If this was his first year, it would be one thing. But this is year six. And how many transfers have we seen that he goes and lands that comes there and they're not half as good as they were somewhere else? And, and and I think it's a, like a it's does he know how to use guys like that? And I think that's what you're asking here is can he use multiple guys or does it have to be focused around one or two? You know, and I think that's the reason you see the scoring droughts as well is it, I'm not a basketball. I can tell you a lot. I can tell you everything about football. I can't tell you about basketball, but here's what I know: 
is if you don't have the ability to make adjustments on the fly and move the ball around to different scores, you're in trouble at that level. And that's yeah. what it seems like it is about one out of every three games with Florida. I also don't like the undisciplined play. Look, when you're getting beat physically and somebody's just owning you and then you decide to swing an elbow at them, that is absolutely ridiculous. And look, Omar Payne, everybody deserves a second chance. I know he apologized. But John Fulkerson has taken all Gator interior players to the woodshed for the second time in five days. And for Omar Payne to swing an elbow like he did, he deserved to get thrown out of that game. And if I'm Mike White, I don't I don't think he's going to do this, but I would almost send a message and sit Omar Payne maybe for a half because that is not the way the Gators should play basketball. It's not the way anybody should play basketball. And Omar Payne, to me, should have been ashamed of himself for yeah. what he did. I, I mean, listen – I. I People are going to listen to this and be like, oh, these guys hate Gator Bass. No, we don't. We want them to win. And what, what Hacker's saying now is you want them to win a certain way. You don't want them through. You, if right, you're right. getting beat physically and somebody's just manhandling you in, in, in a basketball game and you throw an elbow at their head yeah. because you're frustrated that he's beating you, that's that's not good. I'd play him. I'd play him from jump. I mean, I discipline him off the court. He's there to play basketball. Put him on there. Make wow. him earn a scholarship. All right. I run the tar out of him if you want to. But he's there on scholarship to win you basketball, help you win basketball games. Put his butt out there. I mean, when I saw that thing live, it didn't look as bad. When they said the replay over and over, it looked even worse. Yeah, it was a bad, bad look for Omar Payne. Hopefully, he learns from it and it doesn't happen again. All right, switching gears to football, a little recruiting, a little draft preview. The Gators, we talked last week. Got a quarterback on the recruiting trail since the last time we talked, Denny. A couple more commitments. A three-star tight end, C.J. Hawkins, six foot seven, two hundred and twenty pounds. He had offers from Alabama, Georgia, Stanford, uh, Texas, among others. The Gators also land a four-star offensive tackle out of Tampa in Tony Livingston. That goes with the three-star quarterback Nick Evers. Have the uh, has the momentum changed with Gator recruiting? Are they starting to? Settle back in. Three commitments, three pretty good players in the span of about ten days. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the I've I've talked to a lot of college coaches in the last seven to ten days, um, more than normal because of okay, what's the summer going to look like? The NCAA has has kind of told all of them. Look, April fifteenth, we're going to let you know about this dead period thing, and if we if, if it's not dead, then June first, um, you can have camps. You can have you know this, and and at that point. Still can't like host. I don't think they're gonna let them host like official visits, things like that. It's not gonna be all the way to what it was before. But at the end of the day, there's gonna be a way for for players to go to campuses, see facilities, and talk to coaches. That's where strategy comes in. That's where tides start to turn. Right? Is Mullen's a relationship guy. Mm-hmm. You, it's hard to form a relationship over Zoom or over FaceTime. Right, you just it's it's much harder to do that. So when that's allowed to come back is when I will start to either celebrate or start to worry about the Florida Gator class. I I think that if June first they're allowed back on campus, I think you see a big wave of momentum. I think you see some decommitments from other programs, not just heading towards Florida, but other places as well. Um, I, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Whatever happens in the next month, let me break this down for you. Like here's what I'm telling my quarterbacks is. If you have a co- if you have an offer that you like, and you can see yourself playing there, jump. Mm-hmm. And th- I'm not like this. Usually, I don't tell guys to commit until they're sure they're going to go. 
But in this recruiting environment, especially at quarterback, where when one commits that offers off the table, you you got to look out for yourself. Right. And so I think there's there's some of that going on in every position at every school. Somebody gets, and I'm not using them like Alabama's always going to recruit well. But let me use that. A kid gets an Alabama offer, he's going to jump at it right now without even seeing it. Well, he may go look at Florida, Florida State, Georgia, whatever, after he can and realize that Alabama offer, that's not where I need to be. Mm-hmm. You, does that make sense? Right, yeah, no, it does. And you haven't been able to do that for over a year or for a year now. Well, I thought it was interesting. You know, NFL-wise, free agents, like it's happening here in Jacksonville today, free agents can now fly into their new city mm-hmm. and have physicals in their new city before they sign their contract. So from a sports sense – coronavirus, COVID, it's not what it was seven, eight, nine months ago. But you know what? They, they're they able to, but a lot of them aren't. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like, and I think that's the thing um, colleges are, are waiting to see. So the NCAA lists a dead period. How fast does it get back to normal? And nothing's ever going to be normal again because there's been some ways that are better that's come out of COVID. But how fast do we get all these guys on campus? You know, are they still available, or has Alabama and, and Florida State even, top 10, have they locked them up? And if they have, then it's going to be a long year. If you can get your shot on campus, then, you know, you, you're, you're kind of re- resetting the clock there. Well, I want to end with a couple Gator defensive guys. Uh, before we get there, Gus Malzahn's in Orlando now at UCF. Well, that— Love Gus. I know, I know you're a big fan, big supporter. Again, Denny was six points, quarterback training here in the Northeast Florida area. With Gus Malzahn in the state, they're not going to probably recruit the same guys, and if they do, that's bad for the big three. But could Gus eat into any of the Miami, Florida, or Florida State guys with what he could potentially build there in Orlando at UCF? Yeah, there's two ways that they that he can affect the big three. Um, one is there can be a kid that's being recruited by all three that is not a priority, but they want him. Mm. It's like second linebacker, second defensive end, whatever. That's a priority for Gus. And kids are starting to figure out, I want to go where I'm wanted. I want to go where they celebrate me, where they celebrate signing me, not celebrate me. That sounds very entitled. <laughs> but celebrate my signing. So that's one area. But the 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 place that I think Gus is going to, and we're seeing this with Auburn right now, where Gus has a chance to make a killing on this is the transfer portal. Is now all of a sudden, you, you, we're not talking about the fourth guy. We're talking about the second guy at Florida, the second guy at Florida State, the second guy at Georgia. He goes, wait, at UCF, I am the dude. I'm not going to sit around here. Probably going to have a free transfer, right? So Gus Malzahn, he's put people in the league. He's at the SEC. The UCF is is a good team. I'm going to go down there. And so now all of a sudden that four-star you recruited last year, who you were developing, doesn't want to develop under you anymore. He wants to go play under Gus. Yeah. That's where – and that's really like if you look at USF, they've got that same opportunity. Pretty crazy the head coaches in Florida because we're going to have Butch Davis on the show today. Remember, he's still at FIU. Willie Taggart, FAU. Mm-hmm. Gus Malzahn's here now. Jeff Scott, former Clemson coordinator. And then you certainly have Mullen, Norvell, and Manny Diaz. So there is. By the way, Jeff Scott's doing some good stuff. Yeah. He's really. It's he's not. He's put together a nice staff. Too. Yes. He's put together a staff. He's got a good recruiting strategy. I say the same thing about Florida State, even though it's a Gator podcast. Love the way they're recruiting. I absolutely love it. And Florida will see two of those teams to kick off the year. Yeah. They start with Willie Taggart and FAU. Then they go to Tampa to Raymond James to play Jeff Scott and the USF Bulls to kick off the football season. Speaking of football, Denny, let's end on this. 
six weeks till the NFL draft tonight. We're going to wait on Trask and Tony and Pitts. We'll get to them as we get a little closer to the draft. want to talk about a couple of defensive guys. Um, to Daryl Slayton, I'll even throw in Kyrie Campbell, two interior defensive linemen, Marco Wilson. Maybe not necessarily their draft prospects. I think they're going to get drafted mid to late rounds, all three guys. Uh, I've seen Marco Wilson maybe round five, Slayton and Campbell more in the round six, round seven range. So you can take it wherever you want it, but, but the Gator angle I had was how hard will it be to replace Wilson, Campbell, Slayton, three guys that played a lot of football for the Gators? Not hard at all. It's three guys that played a lot of football in a defense that stunk. Right. Right. And Marco Wilson's going to kill his pro day. He, he's going to – he probably will go up on draft boards. Marco Wilson will be an example of how much does film really matter to the NFL or do they look at potential and skill set, right? Do they think that because you've got this skill set, we can put you in a situation to succeed that you didn't have in college? Because Marco Wilson had a terrible year. It, it, forget Not shoe, just the shoe. No, forget but, Shoegate. Yeah. He was picked on all year long. You look at that interior of the defensive line, and I didn't watch individual clips, but teams ran at will. I, I mean, I, I, if you look at film, these three guys are easily replaceable for the Florida Gators. They've got talent in all those positions coming back. And then was it coaching? Like, Was it really truly coaching or was it personnel or was it a combination of it? That's the thing that I think as, as Gator fans we're kind of waiting to see, right, is we kept Todd Grantham. So Dan Mullen didn't think that that he was a problem, that he was a problem. So which one was it that really was the bigger issue? Was it personnel or was it coaching? If it was personnel, then all three of these guys are easily replaceable. And, in fact, you could go as far to say that two of the three should not be drafted. Which are? The two interior D linemen. If you can't plug. So you, don't, you don't like Slayton, huh? It's not that I don't like him. I just, like, from a football perspective, if I can't plug a hole in college, what makes me think I can plug one in? In the NFL. Yeah. Like, I can see the game's different on the back half of the defense. I can see somebody going, Marco Wilson has this skill set. We're going to draft him in the fourth. I can see that all day long. The game's not that much different in the front, especially in the front four. The front four is still physical. It's fire off. It's know your gap. It's control your gap. In some cases, it's control two gaps. Right? They didn't do that. They weren't able to do that at the college level. How are they going to do that at the NFL level? There's yeah. very few interior defensive linemen, very few, that you that were unsuccessful at college that are successful in the NFL. There's much more edge rushers because it's a different game out there. There's much more safeties because it's a different game back there. Very few interior defensive linemen that don't succeed at college that succeed big at the NFL. And truthfully, you have to talk about Campbell, Slayton, and Wilson because the Gator defense isn't losing really anything they else. Bring everything else back. They're, I mean, Jeremiah Moon, Trey Dean, Brenton Cox, all these guys are – Kyir Elam, all these guys are back. Well, your best prospects are back. Like, all the guys you just named are better prospects than any of the three we just named. Your best long-term prospects are back. There's no doubt about that. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. You get Denny weeknights on the Sports Den alongside big game James Coleman. You get me on XL Primetime middays with Joe Cowart, with Matt Hayes, with Leon Searcy. And, again, I invite you guys 135 this afternoon on 1010XL from a Gator player, Patrick Young, in studio with us on XL primetime. Denny, hopefully, hopefully we're wrong and that the Gators can somehow win two games and we'll be sitting here next week previewing the Sweet 16. And if we are, 
then that's a big, big thumbs up, big oh, green absolutely. check mark for Mike White. Absolutely. Then we're talking Final Four. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Baylor might have something Bring to say Bring on Baylor, about that. man. Yeah. Come on. Denny, have a great weekend. You too, man. For Denny Thompson, I'm the hacker Ryan Green. Thank you for watching and listening to Gator Bites right here on 1010XL.com and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page.